there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, and the other one was out in the garden, but he's back in too. Dr. Batar, what's happening, my friend? Everything's great over here. How about you? Doing well. We've been soaked up. I, I was just going to tell Super Don on the break, but I didn't get back in time. Uh, you know, I, I was like the snail whisperer, the snail catcher, the, sna- the snail relocator. It, it's been so drenching wet the last few weeks here that I'm, I've lost the battle with snails again. Every blade of grass has a snail just kind of clinging to it so it doesn't drown. <laughs> it's amazing. So I'm going to have to take take my I snail reclo- relocator I, I equipment. Yeah, I was just envisioning you as a snail whisperer, you know. <laughs> it wasn't. It's like, because they're all yelling, here comes Robert, run! And, of course, they're not very fast. So I can catch them and, and relocate them pretty easily. But there's a lot of them. So we're going to be at it. Uh, this 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 summer is going to be a garden snail catcher kind of kind of thing going on. So, hey, last so hour. Are, uh-huh. I was just going to ask you, the snails are detrimental to the garden for what reason? Well, they aren't necessarily, but certain things they do like to eat. They do really like yeah. tomatoes. If if you look, if you're not careful, they will come up and they will just track your tomatoes down. Uh, I don't have any problem with anything else, but uh, that's primarily like I've got uh, uh, peppers, like the hot peppers, and even the sweet peppers. Uh-huh. They don't seem to they don't seem to mind. They don't like them, but the tomatoes especially, they'll they'll take them out. So that's my target. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, but I anyway, that. I didn't know whether they were considered a natural pest or not because I, I did not. I didn't know whether it was a slime from them, what it was. So that's good to know. I haven't ever had any problems with snails uh, in a garden. So yeah, I, I, you know, I wanted to talk to the the lizards because there are plenty where we are, and they won't eat the snails. I'm like, dude, what good are you if you're not gonna eat the snails? Mm. Right? That's interesting. You just yeah. poop on the lawn furniture. Come on, stop it. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's get back to the health topics at hand. Are people going to think this is absurd? What are you guys talking about? Uh, of course, we did play a Monty Python clip last hour. So, <sighs> epigenetics is on my oh, mind. I didn't. Okay. As as it always is. And there's a story uh, about kids and babies from the get go. We talk about a generational decline, Doctor Batar. Last four generations being hammered, whether it be from DDT to other pesticides, other pollutants coming out, mis- displacing as we talk about mineral displacement, etc. And now, lo- no longer can a lot of these kids methylate. So when they get hammered with injections of mercury or aluminum, and they, they can't, they, they've got, they didn't have a, a fighting chance to begin with. And now there's a story out out here about lead, not in gasoline, because they supposedly moved it from that in the 70s, but 20% of all baby food samples, juices and veggies, they're finding lead in, 20%. Yeah, and this is a very big story in the sense that lead has not uh, been minimized as mercury has been. Uh, it wasn't originally. It was back in the 60s and 70s, and it was, as I've told you before, uh, off the air and on the air, I met the team that was 
responsible for taking lead out of gasoline, and even though lead is still present in gasoline, 90% of it's now out of gasoline. But they said that the battles that they fought, this is part of the CDC crew, I don't know how many of them are still there, but the, the group that was responsible for that was in the toxicology department. The stories that they told and the trials and tribulations that they went through are very similar to those same things that people that are dealing with the mercury issue and trying to get mercury uh, acknowledged by the government and, and the damage that mercury does. It's a very similar type of, type of story, but lead has been now accepted as an issue. There have been studies done that showing you that lower level of lead is associated with higher declines in IQs. Uh, there's lead screening places you can get conventionally. Everybody accepts it. In fact, EDTA, which is chelation therapy, that the typical chelation therapy is approved for lead toxicity. And every emergency room in the country, actually probably every emergency room in the world, but definitely in the United States, has EDTA on hand to bind to lead for acute toxicity. The only difference is they don't put the B vitamins and stuff into it. What they do is it's in the emergency room. They charge you five times or ten times what the cost is as compared to what the outpatient in a private. Well, in a private medical setting, yeah. yeah. Lead uh, has been. Yeah. And, and doc, so lead has always, in at least the last 30 years, has always been acknowledged as being a problem. But now you have something like this that's coming out, and they're showing that even though lead we know is a problem, it's in one out of five uh, baby foods that people, the children are, eat, are being fed, is, is high in lead. I mean, that's insane. Well, and we see, we, we talked about and, and joked about a little bit the snowflakes of the millennial generation that can't handle an opinion that's not theirs, right? They have to run and hide. When did, when did that happen? When we grew up, Dr. Batar, I mean, there was debate. You know, you could get intense about something, but you didn't need to play with Play-Doh just because somebody disagreed with you. You know what I'm saying? And this generation... If they haven't been injected into the full-on autism spectrum, varying levels of neurological impairment are in evidence, not only with IQ, but an ability to deal with adversity, the mildest of adversity. You know, we're talking, these, are, these kids would not survive a 24 to 48-hour blackout. You're absolutely right. And this is talking about lead. Now, we know that mercury is more prevalent. Mercury has been injected into kids. It's being... Uh, implanted into the, their teeth. It's being implanted into their mother's womb before they're even conceived. So in utero, they're getting a constant outgassing, five nanograms per deciliter per tooth per day outgassing that a, a woman's experiencing. One out of six women of childbearing age in the United States being mercury toxic, already established by the NHANE study with the CDC. So that mercury we know is so much more detrimental. Look at this in lead, and now you add the mercury. It, it is amazing that human beings are still walking. It's, it's amazing that we are able to actually have children that are being born that are cognitively still functional. It's, it's amazing to me how superior the, gener- the, 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 en- the creator, the ultimate engineer was in his design, that even though we put stuff on fire and light it. Dr. Batar, we're, we're, we're having some um, dropouts. Dr. Batar, we're having some dropouts on your line tonight. We're going to have to check that out on the uh, commercial break, but hang in there. We're going to keep talking to you about this. And I think it's important to distinguish between the forms or the different intoxicants, if you will. Lead, here we're talking about, which has a level of danger, but at levels that um, it causes IQ reduction, those same levels in mercury would likely kill you, just to give you, you know, a sensation of, or a sense of, I shall say of the severe toxicity associated with different metals, right? Lead's bad, but man, at the same levels, mercury would kill you. Mercury doesn't have um, 
the same profile as any other metal. Mercury is the only one that causes denudation of the mutant fibrils. Mercury will actually cause the nerves to disintegrate, as you have probably seen on the, in fact, I know you've seen, on yes. the video documentation with the, you talk, we were talking about snails when we started the, the hour, right? So <laughs> yes. the snail brain tissues that, that were done at the University of Calgary, it was, it was evident within 20 minutes of exposure of the brain cells of, from snails with exposure to mercury in the same petri dish, not even direct exposure, and how the neurons disintegrated. So you are absolutely correct. What lead does, we know is bad, but what mercury does is exponentially more devastating. And in conjunction right. together, when both are in the same human being, an LD1 lethal dose of mercury, in LD1 is basically enough mercury to kill one out of 100 people, and an LD1 of lead, enough lead to kill one out of 100 people. If you put that into the same person, you will have an LD100. You will kill all 100 people. So the lead and mercury together have a 10,000% increase. Remember, 1 to 2 is 100%. 1 to 10 is 1,000%. 1 to 100, LD100, you have a 10,000% increase in, uh, in, the death, in, in, in mortality, yeah. uh, morbidity. I'm sorry. You will kill all 100 people. You know, this is why um, modern medicine and all of its advancements and scientific sounding things, uh, they've missed the boat when they ignore the toxicologist, just as we've said about the CDC for many years now, by them not looking at toxicology, instead focusing all of their efforts on uh, nonpartisan viruses, bacteria and fungal species. They've missed the real cause of disease. But of course, the less profitable acknowledgement that we cannot give a drug for toxic poisons we must detoxify. And, of course, in terms of synthetic EDTA, uh, you, some, you could argue that that's a drug technically, but the reality is it's not something that is being done commonly, even though it's available, as you said, probably in every ER on planet Earth, if not in the United States and Canada. Yeah, and Robert, this is one of the things, you know, we've talked about the synthetic aspect of something or the natural occurring aspect of something is not something that I actually spend much time being concerned about because, from my philosophical standing, it comes down to this. We are living in extraordinary times. We have an extraordinary level of toxicity that we're being exposed to, and it's going to take an extraordinarily uh, different, more than natural method of removing these. EDTA, DMPS, these are inert chemicals. What goes in your body comes out the same way except it's bound to metals. I have used and will continue to use things that are not necessarily natural to elicit the desired response, but not from a philosophical standpoint, but from not a uh, superseding the physiological parameters that God designed in our system. That's the difference. When we take a drug and we give it to the person, we're altering physiology. We must always be conscious that we cannot do that because we are defined the, the grace and the, and the uh, ultimate design of the, the physiological system. Of, of, I used to say it's of the human body, but it's of any living organism. The way the plants are made, the way the animals are made, humans... So we can't supersede that physiology. That's the key. So my issue isn't whether it's natural or not natural. My issue is, is it superseding physiology or not? Because you can take a natural substance and also try to alter physiology. So it's right. more for me about uh, reinstating the natural physiological balance and whatever it takes to natural uh, or you know, create it. I'm okay with it. If it's synthetic, I'm okay with it because we... we we're having to deal with. It wasn't naturally occurring. The level of mercury that people are being exposed to was not naturally at this okay. point. Sure, there's a volcano erupts of mercury. In the, that's fine, but we don't. You know, nature didn't intend for us to inject mercury into our body. 
or to have it in, implanted in our mouths without gapping. So that's going to take an extraordinary means to remove this unnatural exposure level, and that's going to yes. be an unnatural synthetic complex. Dr. Batar, for, further nuance to what you said, I want people to hear it, is that when you're using a synthetic amino acid, for instance, in chelation, you say it goes into the body and it comes out, except it's grabbed onto some of these nasty heavy metals on the way out. So that's an important part of what you said, Dr. Batar. I don't want anybody to misconstrue what you said. If it's going to add a toxic burden to the body, you're not going to be doing it unless it's a temporary life and death scenario to get you out of crisis. We're going to be back with more advanced medicine after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. Each week at this time, we do advanced medicine with Dr. Rasha Bittar, my good friend, and he's been featured in uh, the Truth About Cancer series. He'll be back in October. Those tickets are on sale now, October 5th, 6th, and 7th in Orlando, Florida, the Truth About Cancer Live, and you'll definitely want to see Dr. Bittar and many others that are coming together. Of course, if you miss a show, particularly when we have Dr. Bittar on with us doing advanced medicine, you can always check out medicalrewind.com, medicalrewind.com. Dot com, as well as all the other archives at GCN and, of course, here at robertscottbell.com. Dr. Batar, I just added that little nuance as we were going to break about the, you know, the selection that you make to, to work with folks to detoxify them. The, you know, the choice that you made is because the synthetic amino acids in chelation therapy, done right, they don't stay in. They don't bioaccumulate. They don't cause problems long term. They grab the stuff and go, the heavy metals, for instance, whereas the drugs are toxic that if you are going to use them as a physician, and there may be arguably places where it's a life and death scenario, it's to get them on it to save their life and get them off of it immediately or soon thereafter, as opposed to the way it's being done now. Well, Robert, there's two points to this, the two nuances that I want to point out, and I appreciate you taking the time elaborate on this. This is one reason I love you so much is because <laughs> you're never about going through things fast. You're always about thoroughness. And this, these two nuances that you bring up that, again, you're throwing that ball up there, you're alley-ooped it, and you lie and come down and slam it. Slam dunk it. So I'm going to slam dunk it now and because you expect me to do that, and I appreciate that. That's one reason I appreciate you so much. So the two nuances here are, one, that drugs inhibit metabolic processes, whereas our philosophy, your philosophy, my philosophy, is to remove the impediment to get rid of the obstacle, to get rid of the blocker. So you can, drugs, by definition, block pathways. When you take something out of the body, you're actually removing something that's creating an obstacle. So with the heavy metals, what we talked about, there are no drugs that will bind to heavy metals, first of all. I mean, well, let me take that back. There are things that will bind to heavy metals because EDTA really is a synthetic drug. DMPS is the synthetic amino acids, British analysis. These are all drugs. You're absolutely right but they are removing a substance from the system that causes a problem. So the first thing is there are, there are no uh, traditional pharmaceuticals that would remove metals. All of them have actually been considered avant-garde, you know, out of the box. So EDTA, DMP, these are all synthetic, um, British analocyte, the diphyroxamine, you know, all are out of the box because the typical doctors don't use them. So that's the one thing. The second thing is... The point that you brought up where the, the, the metal, these achelators, have, they don't stay in the body very long. EDTA has a half-life of four hours. 
uh, DMPS has, a, this is basically a, a IV half-life. Intravenously, it's given, it has a half-life of four hours. What that means is after you give somebody EDTA intravenously, in four hours, half the amount that was given is left in the body. The other half has already been eliminated. In the second four hours, half of the remaining, or 25%, because half of, half of 50 is 25, so the second half of that remaining half is out of the body. So now 75% is out in eight hours. In 12 hours, 86, 80, what is it? Be, uh, it'd be 87.5% is out of the body. So basically in 24 hours, you've got 98% of the EDTA already out of your body. DMPS has even a shorter half-life than given intravenously. If you take it orally, it increases the half-life maybe double. It depends on the DMPS or EDTA you're talking about. So these substances are out of your body in a very, relatively speaking, very short time, two to three days, completely out of your system, no matter how you took it. And, the, and what they did, they didn't stay in your body. They got eliminated, and when they got eliminated, they actually pulled out undesired elements. And so that's the difference. These are the two nuances I want to point out. One, drugs, there is no drug that is considered mainstream, that is considered safe, that a person can take that removes heavy metals, and, and drugs by definition are... In fact, I think that the reason that mainstream has uh, obliterated the mention of these particular drugs, because they are drugs, is because they work within the physiological realm. They remove stuff and allow the physiology to come back on track. Robert, I just had an epiphany a second. It has nothing to do with this pharmaceutical. Like people, we, we beat up on big pharma. These yeah. drugs are pharmaceutical. It's, right. it, it's actually the mode of uh, action, the function of these things. That's really what the key should be. Because these are drugs, but they work to optimize physiology by removing things that shouldn't be in there. And I think that is a key thing that people need to zero in on. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. And again, uh, the idea here, and, and again, the, the whole drug therapy scenario, right? Drugs were developed at a time in allopathic medicine, rightly or wrongly, I would say rightly for acute prescribing to get somebody out of a life and death crisis. And that's where allopathic medicine shines. But the reality is they've evolved into or devolved into a system of slow, insidious, or fast, depending on the drug and how much they give you, in toxic poisoning of the entire body under the guise of helping you overcome disease. But they're actually at the very best managing your disease, and more likely they're creating 10, 15 other disease processes in the body that may manifest as something that will kill you, if not the outright drug toxicity killing you. These are the nuances that are very important to relate here on Advanced Medicine when we do Robert Scott Bell Show together with Dr. Rasha Bittar. we got a big question of the day from a mom of an 11-year-old next. Great heavens, what kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. When you need answers, sometimes all you got to do is ask of it. Be prepared. You might not always like the answer, so hopefully you're sincere in your questioning, and I suspect this next one is pretty darn sincere, but it's pretty darn intense, too. But, uh, uh, Dr. Bittar, um, this... This sort of fits into the mold of what we're talking about, epigenetics, genetic decline, uh, the, the weakening of the population, right? This woman, Christine, writes in as a mom, they have a medically complex and frail special needs daughter. She's 11 years old, four foot tall, but only 53 pounds, 11 years old. My daughter's almost 12. She's 11. 50, can you imagine it, 53 pounds? Um, and they say it's Noonan syndrome. Uh, her body is anemic. She's anemic. They're de- her body's destroying her own red blood cells. She has to have re- re- transfusions, large giant cell tumors on her ankles, knees, and wrists, terrible pain. 
She can't walk or stand. She's bed bound. She's got edema, tremendous edema, which we understand or yeah, why that might be happening. They have her on Miralax for extreme constipation. Uh, they've been invited to go to the NIH. This is such an intense case. And uh, they're, they're, they're targeting soft tissue tumors. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but they've got her on Ensure Clear, which I'm sure has uh, corn syrup, GMO corn syrup solids, chicken nuggets, sweet tea, pepperoni, and cereal for food. And they're saying that, that one of our alternative practitioners is detecting the toxic formula in her tumors, which would argue, we would argue that her body is trying to defend itself from the food that is not optimal or ideal or anywhere near it. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. The, I'm not sure if this person that wrote this message to, to us, um, it seems like it's a very uh, uh, factual, objective analysis of what's happened with this child. But and I'm I'm hoping that's what it is. But when I read it, the first yeah. thing that hits me is this horror story of what's happened with this child. And then her diet is ensure clear chicken nuggets, sweet tea, pepperoni, and um, cereal. And in the last part, is if you have any other suggestions, we would be very grateful. So obviously, there it's a sincere parent. My my visceral response is. Are you serious that this is, let's put all this medical stuff aside for a second, the history, just that diet is going to create problems. I don't care who you are, I don't care where you live, I don't care what your belief system is, that diet is going to cause a problem. End of story. I mean, in short, it's sugar, and if this child has cancer, you're feeding the cancer sugar. Cancer is an obligate glucose metabolizer, so you're pouring gasoline on a fire. There's no way that that's ever going to help. We all know that. So either they're really, really are um are un- unaware and they need a lot of guidance or um it, 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 I, I don't i don't understand i mean they, they have to you know every parent has to know that that's not a good diet maybe maybe they're struggling with the thought that i can't get anything in my child she's failure thrives so anything is better than nothing maybe they're in that hmm. they're in desperate situation I, I don't know where it is but they seem they seem to be trying to transition though dr Batar, because they're they're kind of consulting with someone more holistic although it's uh, you know again we're not there we can't give medical advice to this person but certainly the compassion that i know you feel and i feel for an 11 year old like this we uh, we wish we could do so much and 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 yet uh, there's only so much we can do but right from the get-go now they're talking also about changing the diet we should go non-gmo uh should we go more organic and even say kosher but we don't know how to get her off of acetaminophen and codeine for the pain right and this is the this is the reason that i'm bringing this up i wanted to kind of preface what i was experiencing myself viscerally so that Mm -hmm. you know what i'm about to say may be taken the wrong way but you know you, you read something like this and it gives you that type of response and so when then you read this other part that you just mentioned we're trying to go uh something for codeine, we want to go more non-GMO. How about stopping feeding the sugar? Yeah. Just start one place. You know, it's a simple thing. Stop the insure. Oh, by the way, the now, insure, I, I asked I asked Super Don what was in it. He got the list of ingredients. First ingredient, water. Second ingredient, sugar. Third ingredient, corn syrup solids. Yeah. Pure sugar. Yeah. And, of course, GMO uh, corn sugar. Yeah. I just saw it pop through. When, when, yeah. right when you said it, I got Super Don sent it to me, too. I was just reading it. So I guess the, the issue that, you know, again, it, it's 
this is, I think, the reason that the message that we're putting out every week, Robert, is so important, because there are people still, it's hard for me to believe that there are still people that are, that are that, this unaware, and I commend them for wanting to try to help and start to look at other options. But let's not worry about the thumbnail. Um, uh, it's like worrying about a thumbnail full of water that you can spill it and, and cause a water spill when you're standing out in the middle of a storm. So yeah. this thing, with, I mean, you're, you're looking at insure and chicken nuggets and sweet tea and pepperoni, and you're worried about non-GMO. Yes, you should be about worried about GMO versus non-GMO, but let's, let's forget about insure, whether it's GMO or non-GMO. It's bad either way. Yeah. And we talked about the baby food, 20% of it containing lead at this point. Now they're also saying for pain, acetaminophen, which is liver toxic along with codeine. They've just started cannabis tincture, so that might be of some assistance hopefully there. Uh, she was vaccinated initially, but they refused any more. Thank God for that. Uh, but uh, my gosh, this is, you know, a massive repair that needs to be done here. And I don't know that Absolutely. many doctors are, are qualified to do this. Well, the thing that I wanted to get across, and you're absolutely right in everything you said, the point that I want to get across is that if there was a form of insurance that was non-GMO and one that was GMO, it doesn't matter. They're just as bad as each other. Right. I would not say that, oh, well, this is non-GMO, so it's better. No, it still is bad because it's sugar. It's pouring gasoline. It's like saying, is diesel fuel better than regular unleaded fuel to pour on a fire? They're both going to burn. <laughs> yeah. So they, the, the focus should be not on not the next level. But first, clean up your basic diet. And, and I, I'm, uh, my heart goes out for this child. It, it's, you know, again, when I hear stuff like this, it really it, it, it angers me. And it's not the parents. It's right. the system has fallen so short of giving so much misguided information that a parent is that desperate. I mean, I can, I can understand probably what they're going through. The child is failure to thrive. It's 53 pounds. They're thinking, let me just get something into the child. Right. It's a desperation thing. And Sure. Well, and, and, and of course, other things lead, lead us to really conclude that there are toxic poisons in this child's body it's desperately trying to defend against, and that's why the tumors will form. This is an adaptation for survival. Of course, allopathic medicine docs were going to say, hey, let's throw some chemo in there, right? And, and, you know, this child, I don't know that this child would survive much of that based on this because the acetaminophen is destroying the liver as it's, as it's, as it's being given along with the uh, codeine. This is, this is a fire? That's burning and consuming, and unless it's put out, it's going to continue getting worse. This child, just from the history, we know she has heavy metals. We know she has persistent organic pollutants. We know she's going to be absolutely overridden with opportunistics, with the various types of bacteria, viruses, parasitic, you know, yeast, whatever all that stuff is. You know she's got the first three of the seven toxicities right off the bat. And, and you know, failure to thrive diagnosis that's been given I mean, there's, there's obviously something else going on here, but the failure to thrive diagnosis is her system failing because of the, the overload that her body's having to deal with right now. Right, right. Well, and, and you know, this leads, you know, from a, a young child, which is unfortunate that this would happen to any young children, but again, this is the epigenetic decline over generations now we're seeing with these children born with such vulnerability and susceptibility that, you know, people that said, hey, I lived through the era of DDT, nothing happened to me. Like, well, what were your ancestors living through? Probably not the toxic burden in the same way that we are injecting each generation more or environmentally exposing even more. And we've weakened to the point where these millennials and post-millennials, they don't, they, they don't have a shot at this unless they're grown in an organic, non-vaccinated environment, just to begin. And, and I hope that everybody just heard what you said, because that is the essence. It's an accumulation 
on a generational level of the impaired ability for the body to keep itself clean and on top of it not getting the nutritional basis that everybody needs, that every physiological system needs, and whatever we are getting is more toxic. So it's a systematic uh, assassination of our physiology on a generational basis. That's exactly what yeah. There's another article here about a woman wrongly diagnosed with cancer that had an unnecessary mastectomy, according to another lawsuit. But in many cases, uh, even if it's a correctly diagnosed breast cancer, does it always necessarily require the removal of breast and breast tissue? Or is there another way to encourage the body to release the toxins that have been accumulated? Mercury, lead, arsenic, aluminum, uh, as well as uh, the, the pesticides, the fat-soluble toxins, the, the endocrine-disrupting compounds, whether they be from hormones purposefully given for birth control or otherwise. Can we encourage these children, much less these adults, to re re replenish their system and reactivate their system like you talk about in the nine steps to keep the doctor away? Well, I think that the potential to uh, change is always there. I think that's one of the beauties of how the that it's constantly adapting and it's constantly regenerating and it's constantly trying to reestablish that balance that we were designed to to maintain. That's where exercise and the water consumption, all these different things we've talked about, uh, come into play. So. That's one of the beauties. It's an adaptogenic system that is highly versatile at dealing with all sorts of imbalances. That doesn't mean that because it's designed to deal with these imbalances, we should put it into these imbalances. We should strive to approach zero point. In quantum physics, zero point is maximum output with minimal expenditure. That's what we should be striving for. So, yes, somebody would say minimum expenditure. There's a lot of expenditure of energy. Yes, that's true. But when you exercise, the post-exercise period, you are now uh, at, at maximal output with minimal expenditure. You are actually, your metabolism is upregulating, your lymphatics are moving, your endocrine system is uh, upregulated. Everything is moving better. The neurons are firing better. Why? Because that exercise basically got everything moving again. Or the water mm. consumption, it's giving you the substrate that's necessary for the body to work, the enzymatic processes to work, for the metabolic processes to continue the, the way that they're supposed to be. So each one of these things is really we're approaching, our, our goal should be to approach zero point, maximal output with minimal expenditure. And that's why, it, 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 in my opinion, the system that God designed us with is set up to constantly deal with these imbalances. And that's one reason our slogan, the power to heal, is yours is so appropriate because literally we are a self-regulating, self-healing system. We just have to do two things to invoke the full power of it. One, we need to remove what shouldn't be there. And two, we need to make sure what is there, what is supposed to be there, is present. It's, exactly. It. You mentioned exercise research suggesting now that United States teenagers, U.S. teens, are as inactive as 60-year-olds. That doesn't bode well. Of course, some of these kids are that way because of electronics, but others are like the little girl we just talked about, that they're so ill almost from birth, or they're made ill by medical intervention like vaccines, that they never have an option to exercise. So we'd like to see that reverse course. That's why we do advanced medicine each week here at this time on the Robert Scott Bell Show. More with Dr. Batar after this. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back.
Robert Scott Bell Show. I want to say that uh, Christina wrote in about uh, her daughter and Ron, and again, our, our prayers go to Grace Irvin, the little girl. Uh, let us know what part of the country or world you are. If we happen to know any doctors that could be more helpful, uh, you know, we ha- we're happy to pass those suggestions on to you as well. Uh, because there's only so much we can do on the radio. By the way, if you miss a show, medicalrewind.com with Dr. Batar, you can go there, or you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, UK Health Radio across the pond there in England, as well as uh, SoundCloud right there at robertscottbell.com, and uh, GCN, our, our broadcast home and, and radio syndication. Uh, Dr. Batar, I, I want to transition into the Lyme disease issue because so many people are suffering uh, in, in, in ways that they're they're not being responded to appropriately by modern medicine. They're putting them on antibiotics until they're almost killing them with antibiotics. And there's a Chicago Tribune article, and it's linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, and you can see it there as well, where it talks about the, the Lyme disease and how, how dangerous it is to put people on these antibiotics intravenously as well, that it can kill them. But then again, they even though they're right on that, they then take their shot across the bow against IV infusions of hydrogen peroxide, electromagnetic frequency treatments that might include homeopathy, garlic supplements, and, and then they go into stem cell transplants. So I want to get your perspective on some holistic things that can be helpful and not harmful in dealing with Lyme patients. And they say that the Centers for Disease Control estimates that for every one diagnosis of Lyme, there's 10 more that are undiagnosed. That's probably true, but I think it also created this um, free-for-all where anything that people don't understand is stored into the Lyme's category. And then, you know, you've got all these different therapies that come in for dealing with Lyme's, but the bottom line is Lyme's falls into the third toxicity, into the opportunistics. So, again, if you want to effectively deal with Lyme's, you've got to deal with the heavy metals and you've got to deal with the persistent organic glucose first. And in the vast majority of cases, 80% plus, you don't have to deal with anything else because the immune system comes back online. But in the people that then need further assistance, there's many things that can be done. So this chronic use of antibiotics is a massive problem because, again, you're altering the ecology. You're, you're throwing off the terrain. You're causing further uh, insult to injury by throwing off. So now when you start taking antibiotics and you start killing off all the endogenous flora, you're promoting further imbalance to allow more opportunistics to come into play. Think of a woman that has um, a vaginal yeast infection. If she takes antibiotics, what happens? It makes the yeast infection worse. Why? Because it's all killing off all the natural good bacteria that keep the yeast in check. And when you get rid of one part, it allows the other part to grow mm-hmm. uh, unimpeded. So that's, that's one of the things that we want to deal with the gut. And antibiotics uh, is, the, is the wrong thing. You're basically sterilizing the system and then allowing all these opportunistics to flourish because now they have more opportunity to, to grow without anything uh, controlling their growth. So that's right. one issue. Um, going on to, like, with some of the other things that they talk about, uh, and they, they talked about certain, they, they talk about the antibiotics, which, which I agree with, but then they go on to talk about unorthodox uh, alternative therapies, including even stem cells. Well, I think that intravenous hydrogen peroxide and electromagnetic frequency treatments and garlic supplements, um, and in certain cases, not in limes, but even certain cases to use stem cells. Now, stem cells in limes is foolishness. It's uh, if you 
Dr. Batar, we're, we're, we're getting dropouts on you in some of these critical moments that you're sharing these things. Uh, and it, it, it's a crime because I don't want to miss any word that you had. Also, I've worked with many physicians over the years with Lyme, and they've also integrated silver. I was surprised they didn't attack silver in this article. Yeah, well, silver is a natural. Uh, we, we've talked about silver so much. We know how, how effective silver is. So I'm surprised I didn't mention that. But silver is something beneficial. Uh, all these things, I think, have a role. Not stem cells, though, because if your house is, is on fire, you have to first put out the fire before you try to rebuild the house. Stem cells will rebuild the house, but it's not going to put out the fire. So um, I, don't, I can't hear Good point. where we are in the show right now. So the bottom line is, Robert, I think all these things have a role. Um, antibiotics, I do not believe, have a role. Stem cells, I don't have a believe, have a role. But the rest of the stuff, if somebody knows what they're doing, these are all effective modalities. But the bottom line philosophically, again, is get rid of the toxicity, give your body what you need, and if you effectively detoxify the body and give the body what it needs, limes will, just like everything else, will become a mm. non-issue. Yeah, beautifully said. Key, remember this, opportunistic. Not everybody that gets bit by a tick suffers with Lyme disease, even if they're exposed to the Borrelia. Depends on the vitality, the functioning of your immune system. That's why it's the rebuilding of the whole house. But as Dr. Batar says, don't throw stem cells in there when you're still on fire because it might rebuild it improperly as it's been for many years, perhaps now generations. So we're going to keep correcting it each and every week. I'm on two hours a day, six days a week. Dr. Batar, tell them what they need to know before we gots to go. That the power to heal is unequivocally yours. Yes, it is. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. 